Well, hey guys, and welcome back to The Porch Project. We're so glad that you're joining in with us uh, this week, and uh, we are excited to come back-to-back weeks with you after a, a two-month hiatus and missing some episodes, but uh, we're glad to be with you tonight. We are going to be talking through the topic of theology in our worship songs and the things that we sing in a church service, the things that we worship to in our cars, uh, the things we listen to in our personal lives, and what we should be uh, using as a filter to determine whether or not a song is um, not worthy. I don't know that worthy is quite the term we want to roll with, but uh, whether or not a song um, is truly a good, valuable worship song to the Christian faith, uh, or whether it is just a good-sounding, fluffy song uh, that may or may not be beneficial to the body. So that's where we're headed tonight. Uh, we're so glad you're joining in with us, and we're going to jump right in to the conversation. So just so you all know, kind of where this conversation is coming from. We, uh, we definitely had a, uh, a Facebook post that was circulating around uh, and that we've kind of seen. And uh, it's not the first time that that Facebook post has circulated and made its rounds through social media, but uh, definitely popped back up recently about the value of hymns uh, in our worship. Um, and uh, the, the specific comment from this particular uh, post just simply says, uh, churches are missing out by not singing the hymns, and I may not be quoting that perfectly, but that's the gist uh, of that particular uh, post. And so the question is, um, are we missing out on uh, on something by not worshiping to those hymns? Um, are there things that have been added that are just as good as the hymns? Um, and, and where that kind of lands us in the conversation. So, um, Pap, I'm curious for you, my friend, uh, when you think about just your personal worship, what what's your favorite, like, just preference of of worship style what do you enjoy probably I'm glad we're discussing this really for my benefit because our churches over the last few years has kind of kind of went through a a metamorphosis between traditional independent Baptist fundamental style of worship and hymn songs when I went to the church, we sang two hymns, preached, and out the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if a song was written, that before, sounds like when Will preaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and that's what they wanted. That's you know that's what they expected. And anything other than that was was taboo. And if a song was written before 1776, it was a contemporary song and had no place in church. Um, but thanks to actually uh, Will's dad, David uh, David Orr, brought some. I wouldn't classify it as contemporary, I guess. When I think of contemporary, I'm thinking very contemporary. What Sometimes what you hear on the radio or, you know, the one word repeated 78 times in a song. <laughs> uh, to me, that's contemporary. The songs that he brought in were, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, modern mm-hmm. worship songs. Uh, and it has literally, you know, some people liked it and some people didn't. Uh, I thank the Lord that we had a church that was willing to, even if it wasn't for them personally, because they were used to the traditional type songs, they were willing to uh, willing to accept the modern songs. Uh, and after listening to them for a while, even if it wasn't their thing, 
they accepted it and after listening they started liking it mm. and you know now now we have everything from traditional very you know the old hymns amazing grace which is a you know classic uh rock of ages when i meet you in the morning all the old hymns uh which well, let me is very ask you good. when you sing amazing grace do you tag it with my chains are gone no i don't have any idea what you're talking about uh fair enough <laughs> about as modern we get with, point made <laughs> uh about as modern we get with amazing grace it is beautiful to the melody house of the rising sun there you go. Yeah, I've heard it, that version. Uh, yep. I walked in church years ago, and a guy was playing House of the Rising Sun yep. on the guitar. And I said, brother, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, what are you playing? I mean, I knew what he was playing because, you know. Uh, so, you, sorry. It, I don't know that I can just move past that. You really hadn't heard The Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone? Uh-uh. Wow. Go ahead and sing it for him, Wes. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I don't have <laughs> – I need Duncan to play in the key of G or, or – Amazing Grace, I've been got set this free. Duncan. I, excuse me, not I've or been Duncan. set free. You got Swiss. Yeah. I don't know why I said Duncan. <laughs> so, so it goes through the the standard Amazing Grace. Uh, saved a wretch like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Unending right. love, like, yeah. amazing yeah. grace, and, yeah, then, go, and then it goes back into back into the original verses of, okay. of amazing grace. Yeah, yeah. but but yeah. but you're saying that's new to your congregation and your services. Like that would be a new song that you guys. Yeah, that would we'd have to learn that one. <laughs> Which which we sing. I mean, Will knows we sing we sing about everything on the spectrum now. Uh, and Brittany was even doing some rap the other day at church, and everybody liked it. Uh, Pap, I find that hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it wasn't it wasn't uh, as as rap as it goes, but it was it was uh, it was more rap than what we're used to. Uh, <laughs> But that being zero. <laughs> yeah, that being zero. Uh, like when you're talking about rapping, are you talking about like rapping Christmas gifts in the social hall? <laughs> it uh it wasn't uh it wasn't tr- uh modern rap, let's put it that way. But you know, I'm I'm glad we got a church that is open to the new stuff because it offers so much you know, I I love the hymns. I love the old music. I love that. But you know, when you're driving down the road and you had a rough day, and and some of the new songs come on, some of them are absolutely amazing. And if you listen to the words, they have amazing messages. And it's not what your traditional churches accept a lot, and they're missing out on some you know amazing inspiring uplifting songs uh you know not many people can get their jam on to rock of ages you know but when you when some of these new artists come out they got some beautiful stuff so you know i i heard this is a i I was listening to a, a podcast the other day of a pastor and he was talking about how because they are they're on the total opposite end of the spectrum 
where they sing nothing but the new contemporary style mm-hmm. music. Every single week, week in, week out, that's what they're singing. This church in particular is so talented in what they do. They produce their own uh, music. Like they have their own recording label and it's Elevation in uh, Charlotte with, mm-hmm. with Furtick, which I know the Reverend Dr. Bishop Christopher Bates is a huge fan. But anyway, I was listening to one of his sermons and he said, because he's from Monk's Corner, Oh, yeah. And he went to North Greenville, so he has a lot right. of those Southern Baptist right. ties that we all have. And he said one particular week, he just felt led to do nothing but hymns. So he went to his praise band a couple of weeks in advance, prepared them, and said, hey, this is what we're going to sing. We're going to sing nothing but old school traditional hymns for this reason and for this service. Well, he said after that service, all these young millennials and Gen Z kids, 18, 19, 20 years old, they're like, man, what were all those new songs that we sang this week? Because they had never Never heard heard them. Because they do seem to be less prevalent or popular than what they they once were. Yeah. So it it was totally new to them new and to them. It, it just blew his mind that you know these these kids not kids but but these young adults who are 18 19 20 years or more had never heard songs that were 250 plus years, years old. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know I, I think we can every old hymn was a contemporary song. That's right. The year it was written. Yeah. And you know if a song has meaning if it's in, if it's, uh, you know, the writer was inspired by the Lord for whatever reason to put those lyrics in there. If it glorifies God, you know, in in whatever way that it does, and it uplifts a believer, hey, I'm I'm game. <laughs> yeah, and I think that raises the question of really kind of the purpose of this session is like, what is the filter? Yeah, where are the for, snares? For the songs that we choose to, to have. Because I think the this Facebook post that we're kind of basing this off of, I, I don't disagree with that Facebook post. I really don't. When, when it says that churches are missing out by not singing the hymns, I 100% agree with that statement. Churches that refuse to sing hymns altogether are missing out on some good music that is there, some sure. deep, meaningful uh uh, songs that connect the generations, and and I and I think that we we can't breeze past that. And if any of my church members are listening to that, I hope you hear my heartbeat in that. Of just, I agree with you. Like we we should yeah. sing the hymns, but where we have to be careful is to lock ourselves into those are the only songs that can add value to our worship services. Yeah. And therefore, if we sing anything except a hymn. We have somehow stepped out of bounds, and we're we're losing value in our worship, and that that to me is where the pitfall is. Um, Duncan and I've had a lot of conversations about our worship here at the church at West Gant and why we choose the songs that we choose. And for those of listening who don't know our story, we we were a traditional church, a Spanish church, and a contemporary church that were all separate that merged together about two years ago, and then a little bit after that, we took our we still maintain three separate worship times in those styles under one leadership structure, one budget. Two, uh, well, a little bit after that merger process, we took our English-speaking services, the, the contemporary one and the traditional one, and we merged those together. And so we really ended up with just two service times, 
a blended English worship time and a Spanish worship time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it raised a lot of questions. Duncan and I wrestled with that a lot of how are we going to pick and choose on a Sunday morning what we sing in that English service, knowing that about 50% of our people are coming out of a very traditional mindset and 50% of our people are coming out of a very contemporary mindset. How are we going to pick these songs? And the filter that we kind of came to in that was we're going to base it off of the theology of the song, not the style of the song. And and we really had to, to push ourselves in that to get away from, well, we got to make sure we have two hymns this week and two contemporary songs and, and one that's blended somewhere in there that has a little bit of both so that we scratch everybody's itch and everybody gets a little bit of what they want. And, you know, that, that's just people pleasing is what that boils down to. And so we got away from that and, and started asking the question, what of these songs that we have to choose from, the ones that we know how to play or the ones we can learn or the, you know, the, the songs that are out there, the, you know, the robust selection that we have, what of those songs teaches good theology, lines up with the message for that week as best as we can get it, and helps add to the flow of where we're trying to take people in, in a service time? And that has become the filter for us every week. Um, and so there may be some weeks where we only sing one hymn. There may be some weeks where we sing two or three hymns and only one contemporary song. Um, but we have selected those songs based on theology rather than style of music, if that makes sense. And so, I, again, I agree with the Facebook post. We've The hymns are valuable, but that isn't our filter for choosing the songs that we choose every week. It comes back to the idea of theology. What's it teaching well, I think, I mean, I think no matter what name is on the church or what style of worship you have, contemporary, traditional, uh, worship's worship. And all of us, every church in America, I believe, every church around the world, uh, we sing the songs we like. We got, you know, our church has the red hymnal, like mm-hmm. every Baptist Church that I know of has the red hymnal. We sing 12 songs out of 345. And, you know, there are songs in there. I've been saved since 1989. I, I've never looked at half the song, oh, three quarters of the song. We sing the 12 songs that we like, the 12 songs that you go in any fundamental church in America, the 12 to 14 songs that are sung every Sunday morning in every fundamental church in America. Now, it may be a different 12 or 14, depending on what church or what song leader you have, but, you know, out of the thousands of songs available for our use, all of us, I think, use that same little, you know, 12 to 25 songs that we pick from every week, and very few of us venture outside of that. So, you know, I think we all limit ourselves a whole lot based on based on our personal preferences as much as theology, you know. I'm, of course, have been over here doing the mixing and all that wonderful stuff and not put my two cents in, which might have been a good thing. I don't know. But we haven't had any standpoints. We haven't had a standpoint yet. The ticker is so from my standpoint, (laughs) one thing. We Um, only have one last week. We only have one. Yeah. Goodness. I'm not doing good for t-shirt sales on that. (laughs) Jeez, bud. Pick Um, But it it is, and I was kind of thinking about that. It's one of those things where 
when it comes to worship, of course, we always want to we want to pick those songs that have that theology in it. We want the ones that you know either go back to it or or at least point towards something. It may not have a specific Bible verse in it or whatever, but it points and sheds light back towards God and God's story. And I, even within myself, it can depend on what hour of the day it is. Because mm-hmm. if I'm in a terrible mood, I may not want a slow song. I may want something that's going to pick me up, you know, turn me around, set my feet on solid ground. <laughs> I had to do it. I think the master. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that's the way it is. Some days, I may not be feeling that. I may just want to calm down or something like that. And so slower stuff. And for me, being both, you know, coming from that um, Southern Baptist, fundamental independent, you know, I love hymns. But I also love the new stuff. Yeah. And I love, you know, and I guess maybe that came from Dad, where he would, you know, we listen to everything, you know. (laughs) Everything. 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 And, you know, just those songs and, you know, there's there's memory every time I hear I'll Fly Away now. Yeah. It takes me back to that moment when Dad's standing up front. He's got all the kids standing around, and they're all flapping their arms and looking mm-hmm. silly and goofy. Yeah. But that was his thing. Yep. And and it's got the memory behind it. And I, I know that's not theology, but – there's something special about that song for that reason. I, I love Victory of Jesus. And we sang it Sunday. And my daughter, who I felt like had probably heard that song, fell in love with it. Mm. And and so on the way home, she has begged me to turn on that song probably a hundred times. <laughs> but it was my favorite as a kid. So it's it's this thing where it's like, I don't. I don't think we should necessarily be picking and choosing our worship based on memory. But you have those memories attached to those songs. Yeah. There's there's songs that will help you through things. There's songs that you may not have ever heard, and you're just in that moment, and God, He just puts it out there for you, and all of a sudden, like, it's like, man, I needed that. I needed that that refreshing I needed that yeah. reminder for, of whatever the situation is and I, I feel like some of this stuff the Facebook stuff and all that it comes out of a place really I think that's pride mm-hmm. I mean it's it's me saying that my worship is better than yours for whatever reason mm-hmm. and as we've talked about in the past, to me that just divides, and 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 of course, pride, the sin, it's going to divide, and um, I just feel like when we get caught up in this stuff, like I said, especially towards the Facebook post, I, I'm not trying to hate on people who might have shared it, but I feel like it is pointing towards something that is just a prideful thing. Mm-hmm. It's like saying my hymns are better than your contemporary. And it's really because maybe I don't like an electric guitar or I don't like a drum, yeah. you know, whatever. And I think so much of that is like, it may be better than the contemporary to you, exactly. right, as the listener. 
yeah. it may be better to you and then you love that song and I fully support you in loving that style and that song and that's wonderful if that helps you worship then man that's awesome like let's use it but just because that helps you in this style doesn't help you doesn't mean negate the value of this style either if the theology of those songs is correct and I think that's where I get hung up is it's like no, okay. I think we will choose a song over style and completely ignore theology just yeah. because it's the style exactly. that we wanted it to be and that is a terrible place to be can I ask a question just for clarification sure. I think I think there may be some listeners out there that when we use the term theology behind the music yep. what are we speaking of specifically yeah so anytime we listen to, in my opinion, anytime we listen to a song and we get to the, the taking all the instruments off the stage, so let's just pretend like we have no ability to play an instrument at all and all we have is the lyrics in front of us. Mm -hmm. Those words mean something. Mm -hmm. And they're not just words that we're reciting for the sake of reciting it. We're not just saying them because they sound cool and they rhyme or, you know, they you know match the rhythm of the song like that that is not why those lyrics are there those lyrics are there to teach us something but they're also meant to draw our hearts and minds towards something right. um and 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 remind us of why we're there yeah and of who yeah. god is right and so a, a lot of times as we think about the lyrics of what we're singing we sometimes will completely ignore the meaning of a lyric uh and replace that with just our preference of style mm -hmm. and and we will overlook sometimes the fact that something that a song says is not biblical. <laughs> right. It does not reflect God's character or his commands or his teachings in scripture. And we will overlook that because of our preference like of style. Song. Right. Yeah. Because we just like the way that sounds. Yeah. Um, and that's not okay. Um, we, we should care about the meaning of the words that are coming out of our mouth and what they draw our hearts and minds exactly. towards. Um, and, and specifically that it should be drawing our hearts and minds towards the same thing that scripture draws our hearts mm -hmm. and mind towards. And that's where we get the theology piece of that. Okay. Of do these songs teach <clears throat> us what scripture Correct. also teaches us? Do Correct those two theology. things align? Yeah. Correct theology. Yeah. Um, because there's lots of it. There's a, I was listening to a conversation the other day between a couple guys about theocentric songs and egocentric songs, where um, a lot of the old hymns, uh, to their credit, use a lot of geo not geocentric sorry that's the wrong uh, a lot of theocentric lyrics where it is god is or thou art or he is or uh, everything the pronouns that are being used are directing us towards god and a lot of our contemporary music um, unfortunately has a lot of egocentric terminology in it where it's i am a child of god or i this or God sees this in me, or this is, I'm going to see a victory, right? And it's, there's a lot of I's and us's and we's in it, and not as many you and thou and thy and, and him, him uh, pronouns in it. And there is something to be said for that. I think that we have to, to pause in that and go, yeah, where, where's, <laughs> where's this taking me, you yeah. know? And I think we've got to be careful in that. But that doesn't mean that every contemporary song is that way, right. and that we should throw out the batch because there was one sour one, right? Like we, we throw out the one sour one and we, we pick and choose the ones that the ones that, that, touch us. that that do work yeah. and are theologically correct. And and there are times when even the egocentric side of that teaches us something good. Like even that song, I'm a child of God, it is egocentric in that it begins with a pronoun I, but it draws us to who our identity is in Christ. Yeah. I am a child of God. That's straight out of scripture, right? Yeah. And so exactly. I should be able to declare that and be perfectly fine 
saying that in a worship service and have no no issue doing that whatsoever. And I think a lot of it goes back to what what Will said is, you know, if I say I only listen to the traditional, I only listen to the hymns, it's like me saying I only eat butter pecan ice cream and I'm sitting in Baskin Robbins and there's 35 flavors. Mm-hmm. 32. Well, I only, 32. And uh, yeah, you blend some of them. And, there you go. Uh, but, it, you know, it, we, we get, we do have a tendency to, because our church is traditional or because our church is contemporary, you know, I think we think we have to have it either or. Yep. And that is a pride thing. Well, we only listen to the hymns because the hymns are all about him or we only do contemporary because we're trying to you know we're trying to get with the times and you know it is the same as only butter pecan you know i'm missing out on that rocky road and i'm missing out on that turtle track (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i'm missing out on a lot of good stuff out there just because i'm not willing to take a bite absolutely and if if you're it's like i'd never heard it that song um all my life he has been faithful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goodness of God. Yeah. C.C. Uh, I don't know. Somebody, uh, there's a lady that sings it, and this was on the radio. A, a, a man was singing it, but it's all my life you have been faithful. I don't, I don't, that song, absolutely. I had never heard it. Mm-hmm. And I was driving down the road, and it comes on the radio, and I listened to the lyrics. All my life, you have been faithful, and and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, you know, I'm 54 years old, you know, and I'm driving down the road, and I can't hardly see where I'm going. You know, that song absolutely blew me away, and it's a contemporary song, I guess. It is. It is. You know? Well, when I but, I think you you hit on something there because. Uh, I'm probably going to make myself sound incredibly ignorant because I'm not going to be able to use all the proper vernacular or terminology or, or any of those things. But but what people have started to find is that music production specifically is a science and it is an art. So what they've done is they've studied how certain rhythms or certain cadences or the, the repetition mm-hmm. of, of words or things like that can generate an emotional response within people. So a lot of people think that these newer songs are written and recorded and produced in a way to promote a false emotion. So what I mean by that is is they're claiming that, you know, a, a pastor of, of a mega church or, or someone that has a, a huge following can go give like a, a subpar sermon and, and this is these this isn't me saying this this is just what what people are, are saying and you know it, it kind of fits in with this conversation but they're saying that that they can go give a subpar message and then based on melody or based on rhythm or based on whatever when they do give that altar call the people will feel something inside of them and that, that feeling that's being generated by the music will promote them or push them to respond or make some sort of response. Mm-hmm. And their problem with that is they don't feel that that's given by God or it's being directed by God. They, it, they're calling it 
you know, it, it's it's fake, it's it's false. And I think that that may be where a lot of people get hung up with some of the contemporary music pieces, because back to what Chris was saying, there is so much ego pumped into it, and there is so much emotion pumped into it that the more you put yourself inside of it, the less room that leaves for God. So, so we do have to guard against those things because there are some of those snares and traps that people can very easily fall into if they don't have a sound theology or knowledge or belief. Well, way to ruin it for me, Duncan. I was about to say Duncan again. Why do I keep wanting to call you Duncan? <laughs> Maybe because I was thinking of Duncan. Maybe. I was going to say, way to ruin it for me, Wes, because I was go. actually going to talk to Duncan and see if he could drop in some of those melodies and things to help me out on my invitations. <laughs> you don't give him enough time. <laughs> Whatever. I'm just efficient. Just the efficient, efficient. He is. He's the efficient evangelist. He is that. No, I, I, you always have to be paying attention to it. And that's where it goes back to listener. That's where it goes back to reader when we talk about scripture and, and pastors and things like that. You have to go back to that point. It's some of it's on you. You have to be paying attention. I mean, we we've talked about it before. You got Jonestown and things like that, where these places started out as a church, but then where they ended was nowhere near. And so you have to be careful, but you've got to guard yourself and be paying attention and 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 be sure that you're not letting that in that shouldn't be coming in. I want to go back to that point you were making about not throwing it away because of one bad thing. I can't remember the exact number, but I think Bill Gaither has written like, it was something like 4,000 hymns or something like that. I mean, some astronomical number. But you you don't have 4,000 hymns written by Bill Gaither in your hymnal. Even the traditional, or excuse me, even the hymns, some of them were failures. Some of them weren't what they were supposed to be. And I think over time, that has been realized, and those have been dropped. Same way with contemporary. There's been songs that have come out that's like, eh, I'm not sure about that. And over time, they've been pushed out because they, they didn't have that theology with them. And so I think just because you've heard one song and you didn't like it, give it another chance. Get Not that song, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Get, give that style another chance because, my goodness of God, there may be a song that just hits you. Um, there was one I was listening to in the truck the other day, Running Home. Mm-hmm. It, it hit me, and it was like, same way, falling like a baby, like, Thank God he took the wheel, whatever you want to say, but I didn't wreck. Yep. But, I mean, you have those songs out there that right time, right moment, whatever, it hits you. God moves. The Spirit takes off. Like, so like I'm looking helicopter at, that's taking off outside of our window. By the helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> the, I will say that, that y'all don't know this because y'all can't hear it because nope. I'm listening to it. But that is the new thing about our system. 
They don't hear it either. They don't hear it? They don't hear <laughs> it. Oh, man. Well, in that case, there was a helicopter that just <laughs> took off. <on> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and in our old system, you would have known that. You would have known. Or, or at least I can't hear it in my headphones. Yeah. So I don't think that they could. Watch, they're all going to like comment and be like, no, we heard it. We don't heard worry. It. Yeah. Good. Whoever comments tenth that they heard the helicopter runs a free, <laughs> free standpoint T-shirt next week. <laughs> we gotta get that new design first. No, it's all that's very true. I think those songs are gonna hit you in certain moments, and they're gonna mean something to you. But I, I think you've got to balance both of those statements of what you and Wes are kind of talking about. If there are songs that are designed to stir our emotions that aren't actually biblical songs and we need to be careful to to just like we would listening to a pastor there are pastors who can stand on a pulpit and they can stir you like nobody's business and have never said anything out of the bible i mean and that's and that's a problem um they're they are people who know how to drive your emotions and there are music um genres and there are uh, definitely songs that have been written that are designed to store our emotions. And we have to be able to balance that and filter and go, just because I'm feeling something doesn't mean that this song is biblically accurate either. So I need to pause and make sure that the words that I'm singing are accurate because they, again, they do carry meaning. They're not just something that I'm saying for the fun of it. They carry something, they mean something. And we gotta be careful about that. Um, this Sunday, actually, after, well, by the time y'all hear this podcast, we will have already done it. but. Uh, so it's not a spoiler to any of our church people. They've already heard it at this point. But during our scripture reading time on Sunday, I'm challenging our folks to this same thought of what's the filter that we're using for worship. And um, I'm going to pull out our, we have a nice leather red, burgundy, not red, it's like a burgundy leather chair that used to sit on stage. That was the pastor's chair to sit on while he waited for the music to be done. Yeah, how about we bring he... that back? Nope, absolutely not. Exactly. So... Let's put it over there with the electric guitar. <laughs> uh, that has been moved to the library, and in the library it will stay. Um, but we are going to bring it out for this Sunday, put it out on the stage, and I'm going to challenge our people to, to imagine in their mind's eye that this is the throne of God. Obviously it's not. We're going to pretend like it is. So I'm going to ask our people the question, what belongs on the throne of God? And, and the only proper response to that is, God himself. He is the only one that belongs on that. Him and his commands. That's it. That That is what we should take from the throne of God. That is what belongs there. But all too often what happens is we take our style of music on either end of this thing. And that's what I want to make sure people hear from me is I'm not bashing our traditional folks over this because the truth of the matter is our contemporary folks are just as bad about it. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I'm going to take a guitar and I'm going to set it on the throne. And I'm going to say, does this guitar belong on the throne of God. It does not. And so if you can't worship because there wasn't a guitar playing this morning, there's a problem in your heart. You have an idol of a style of worship. Now I'm going to take the guitar down. I'm going to put a hymnal up on that chair. And I'm going to say, this hymnal is not God. And if you can't worship on a Sunday morning, unless these are the songs that we've sung today, then you have made an idol of this book and of these songs. And it does not belong on the throne of God get it off of that um, because that is what we do and again both sides are guilty of that because I can guarantee you that if on a Sunday morning for a month we walked into our sanctuary and said we're not going to sing we're going to do what was done at this at uh, Stephen Burdick's church we're not going to sing any contemporary songs all we're going to do is traditional hymns for the next month we're not going to play a guitar it's going to be piano and organ only like we're and that's what we're going to do 
I would have some of our young families that would be like, but I'm not sure if I want to keep coming to this church. Like that, that's just, and I'm not, again, not bashing our people, but I just, that's just the mentality that we carry. The same thing would be true if we stopped singing hymns altogether and all we did was contemporary music for a month. I would have a completely different group of people who would come up to me and say, where's my songs? Where's my music? We haven't been able to worship for the last month. That's a problem because what we've done is we've created an idol out of a style of worship rather than really filtering is what I'm singing biblically accurate. And if it is, then who cares what style of music it's being done in and what instruments are playing it? Because I can guarantee you, Jesus did not worship to a guitar, a piano, or an organ. Guaranteed. Um, He also didn't sing a hymn from the 1700s or a contemporary song from 2024. He sang the Psalms. That's what he sang, right? And so we we can't take these styles and these uh, books that have been written or these these songs that have been written or these instruments that we love and place them on the throne of God and say, yeah, I can only worship well if that's what's being played on a Sunday morning. If that's the case, we have missed the mark altogether. Yeah. Well, and we talked about that a little bit last week when <clears throat> neither of you guys were here um, and me and Will had to hold I it know. down. We mm. had to hold down the fort. Mm. <laughs> but we did talk about how we as people have a tendency to – box got in and we try and make him fit into this this nice square box of of how we perceive him and who we perceive him to be and it it limits who he is it limits his deity it limits it, it limits everything about him and to say that we can only sing this kind of song in this kind of way when they're all about the same God, it's doing the exact same thing. It's it's taking God and, and shrinking him down to a, a genre or, or style of music that was written 200 years ago, or the same thing, it's it's shrinking him down and putting him inside a box of, of songs that were only written uh, 10 years ago or, or two years ago when, you know, we, we're, we're talking circles around it at, at this point, but, but the people who wrote these songs based on their posture and based on their position and based on their heartbeat, their intention was to edify and glorify God and share the things that were given to them through music with other people. So I, I don't want us to to take away from, from their faith. I don't want us to diminish their faith because the things that they did, the intentions they had, the, the words that they wrote and sung, I mean, those they're valid. So I don't I don't think we have the right to discredit any of that. Meaning I don't think we should disqualify any type of music or any song if in fact it is centered around good and proper theology. And I think that's uh that's probably a good place uh, to kind of start wrapping up. Um I guess final thoughts. Uh, if everybody's got their last two cents they want to put in, um, I spent mine earlier, so it's, it's <laughs> a little too late for me. You have no more standpoints. I have no, I have no more standpoints. standpoints for tonight. I had one standpoint, and that was it. I was done. It's a low night. It's a low night. Um, well, I guess since I started the podcast, I'll start with the final thoughts. Um, I, I think. We have to keep in mind that personal preferences matter to people, and that's okay. It's okay for you to desire to sing hymns. It's okay to love contemporary music. It is okay to carry those personal preferences. Where it becomes not okay 
is when we begin to hold up our personal preference as higher or more valuable than someone else's personal preference when both of them teach proper theology. If one or the other does not, then okay, throw it out. But when both are proper proper theological statements in in the lyrics, then there is none that is more valuable than the other other than your own personal preference, and that's okay. So if you love the hymns, great, keep singing them. If you love contemporary, awesome, keep singing it. But don't turn that into a mine is better than yours statement. Um, and the only other thing that I would say, kind of just my last thought on that is, and I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but I truly believe that it is the, I think that it is the biggest problem in the modern church right now, and that is that we don't truly understand Philippians 2. We don't understand how to have the same mindset as Christ, living in humility, putting other people's needs before our own. And so that even goes down to our worship, that it's like, I need hymns in my worship and if I don't get my hymns then I can't worship and you took those from me or I need contemporary music and so you've got to give me contemporary music or I can't worship and that is not the heartbeat of Christ the heartbeat of Christ is that I can put my personal preferences to the side for a minute to allow you to be able to have a piece of what you need out of humility I can set my needs to the side for a moment so I think that's just kind of at the core of the problem so that's my last two well said. Amen. I got nothing to add to that. Perfect. <laughs> well, Wes is shaking it over. <laughs> it's like, don't say it. We're all good. Okay, Wes is good. Well, I'm not good. Okay. I do have another standpoint. He's I just thought of that. Um, no, I I completely agree. It is a thing out of preference. Um I completely agree that we have to catch ourselves and be careful. And we have to understand that at the end of the day, our preferences as far as towards somebody else's worship doesn't mean a thing. We like to think of ourselves as being the leaders. And I, I'm not saying that just around this table, but I'm saying in our minds it should be our way. Everybody thinks that way. Everybody. But at the end of the day, it's God's way. And if we look towards how he approached um, people in the Bible. It wasn't always the same. There wasn't this set style that he showed up with and said, you know, whatever, here's a parable. You know, It wasn't always a parable. Sometimes it was just sitting down and talking to somebody. If you look at the woman in the well, she shows up and he asks her for a drink of water. There's no parable in that, but it's okay. You know? It was a different style. It was what was needed for that woman. Mm-hmm. When we go to music, we may not like that. You may not like hymns. You may not like contemporary music. But it's not about you. It's about the person on the other side. What did they enjoy? I don't necessarily have to listen to it. I may not be the huge fan of Christian rap, but somebody is. the contemporary service if you want to call it that I think came out of that the contemporary music came out of that where it was like hymns are great but they're just not mine that's not what I like and so there was a different route and it worked for those people and so I think 
you're sitting there, a contemporary song comes on the radio. If it's not for you, it's not for you. But don't hate on it because it's not for you. Right. And I would also invite you, try it. Listen to it. Because there may be something in it that, that touches you, allows the spirit to move within you. There's always a chance. In the same way with hymns. I, again, right. yep. I, we kind of focus towards the contemporary, but it's the same way with hymns. Try them. Hey, pick up that red hymnal. Look through the pages. Ours are blue, by the way. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> if you go to Westgate, choose the blue ones. Well, the, those are the first Baptist hymns. The first Baptist hymns. There we go. <laughs> and I, I've never noticed that. The but, cel- celebration hymnal. There you go. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, try it out. Because you don't know. Even if you don't listen to the song, look at the words. See what it has to say. Mm-hmm. And it might open your eyes to a whole new thing that you never even thought you'd enjoy. It's like Paps Baskin Robbins. It's like Paps Baskin Robbins. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to try something new. You've you've got to I try the Rocky Road. And and Jesus has an amazing ability to meet individuals where they need him most. Whether it's the woman at the well, whether it's you know the individual walks in a service, Jesus has an amazing ability to meet that person where he needs to be. And, you know, when we open our hearts and our minds to a vast array of different sources, you know, we open the possibility that somebody lost to walk in your church and Jesus will meet them exactly where they need to be at that time. You know. Amen Amen to that. Well, as always... We are so glad that you joined us. Wes is probably going to make fun of me because I say this all the time. <laughs> but we are so glad that you uh, you chose to give us a listen. Uh, if it's your first time, be sure to uh, like, follow, share, tell your friends, your neighbors, your cousins. Uh, send a company email. We really don't care. Paint it um, on a water tire. <laughs> <laughs> but... We do appreciate you uh, checking us out, and uh, until next time.